Welcome to the We Are Here for Good podcast. I'm Pastor Jen Fife from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Howard, Wisconsin. And we remember that as the body of Christ, we are here for good and we are better together. Through this podcast, I pray that you're connected with God's word and God's good news for you and for all people. And I pray that you're connected with one another, hearing God's word together. Today, our Bible study comes from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 4 through 11. As we hear the story of Jesus' baptism and the powerful words that God the Father speaks to his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Mark was probably the first of our four New Testament Gospels to be written down. And Mark uplifts Jesus' ministry as the decisive moment in Israel's history when the kingdom of God becomes manifest. Jesus is a continuation of what has come before, and he's the fulfillment of the prophets of old. But what that fulfillment looks like is different than what many of the people of Israel were expecting. Today, I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. It's the translation that we regularly use in worship at Good Shepherd. And I invite you to open up whatever Bible you might have with you or to look this passage up online. The Gospel of Mark starts off, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. From the beginning, Mark is clear that this gospel of his is just the beginning of this new thing that God the Father is doing through his son, Jesus. And this is indeed good news. From the beginning, we see the claim that Jesus is not just a prophet, but the very son of God. So as we read this story of the baptism of Jesus, what details catch your attention? What words or phrases pique your interest? What questions are stirred in you as you hear these words from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11? John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. John proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness. The wilderness is the geographical location of John the baptizer. Um, And the wilderness plays predominantly in the history of Israel and in Jesus' own ministry. The wilderness is where Jesus is um, thrown by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. 
uh, later in Mark 1. And the wilderness is where Jesus goes to pray. The wilderness is where Jesus will feed thousands later in the Gospel of Mark. And John is uh, described as an aesthetic figure resembling Elijah, the northern prophet. John's words are about a mightier one, and it sets up this theme of power which plays throughout the Gospel of Mark. We see this battle in Mark, the struggle between good and evil, between God and the devil. There are very real spiritual forces at odds with one another throughout the Gospel of Mark. And John comes bringing a baptism of repentance. Now, baptism of repentance is not a new thing. Baptism existed before John the Baptist. It was a ritual way that Jewish people could demonstrate an inner turning away from sin. It was an act of cleansing and turning over a new leaf. In the life of the church, baptism becomes a sacrament a means through which God bestows God's grace upon an individual within the life of the congregation. In a sacrament, it is God who acts. It is God who elects. It is God who makes the promises that count. And we hear in Mark that everybody is coming out to see John, the whole Judean countryside and the people of Jerusalem. John seems to have quite a following, but John knows very clearly that he is not the one. His role, his job is to prepare the way for the one who is to come. And John's strange, right? Clothed with camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. This, of course, connects him with Elijah. And his devotion to God is made evident, evident in how he looks and acts, and even how he eats. So once we know who John is, once we know the setup, Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan. In the Gospel of Mark, we have three events, three high points around which the rest of the story is told. These three events set up the framework for the entirety of the gospel. The beginning, we have Jesus' baptism. Towards the middle, we have his transfiguration. And then towards the end, we have his crucifixion. It's in these moments that we see most clearly Jesus' calling and his relationship with God the Father. And when Jesus comes up out of the water after his baptism, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. The heavens torn apart. The Greek word is rooted in the word schizo. In English, we hear the same root in words like schizophrenia. Schizo means torn apart, split apart, torn open. There's a violence to it. It's not a clean, neat cut. This is a forceful ripping apart of the heavens and the separation between heaven and earth is no more. In Mark chapter 15, when Jesus is crucified, the curtain in the temple will be torn in two. 
and the word schizo will appear again, linking these two events. In the baptism, the barrier between heaven and earth is torn apart, and at the crucifixion, the barrier that defines the holy of holies in the temple is destroyed. Heaven and earth, the realms of holy and mortal, God and humanity, they are no longer separated. And the Holy Spirit dive bombs Jesus, revealing God's favor. And then we hear the voice. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. We aren't told if only Jesus or if everybody gathered around could hear these words from heaven. But can you imagine Can you imagine Jesus hearing these words from his father? These are powerful words to bolster and uplift Jesus for the ministry that he will face. And it's just after these words of affirmation that Jesus will be led out into the wilderness. There's the wilderness again. Jesus will be led out into the wilderness by the spirit and will be tempted by the devil. These words from the Father remind me of the power of words. Sometimes we think that words are merely descriptive, but words matter. God the Father gives Jesus an identity that the world will challenge and reject at every turn. And we wonder, as we sit here in chapter 1 of this Gospel, Whose words will win out? God's words of promise and relationship and love? Or the words of the people, words that are meant to tear down and destroy? Before the Gospel of Mark is over, it will seem that the words of the people, the words of the crowds, have won out. As Jesus hangs on the cross with the chief priests and the soldiers, And the two criminals crucified with him, all mocking and deriding him. But thanks be to God, our words of destruction do not have the last word over Jesus. And they will not have the last word over us. As you continue to reflect on these powerful words from the Gospel of Mark, I invite you to consider Uh, When in your life you heard God speak most clearly to you. Most of us do not get the heavens open for us, but we hear God's word of promise in the sacraments, sometimes in sermons, sometimes in meaningful conversations with other faithful people. In my own life, when I hear faithful brothers and sisters telling me the same thing more than once, something that seems important, I start to pay attention. Because God just might be speaking to me through them. And I invite you to think of those moments in your life too. And I invite you as well to consider the importance of your baptism and the promise that you are God's beloved and that God is well pleased with you. What difference does that promise and that claim make for you as you go out and face the world each and every day? 
As we hold these questions in our hearts, let us pray. Gracious God, you claimed Jesus as your own in the waters of baptism, and in those same waters, you have claimed us as your beloved sons and daughters. Give us ears to hear when you speak, and give us the faith to trust in your word today and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessings, my brothers and sisters in Christ.